coming up in this episode of Finding Common Ground. I don't know, somehow we got on politics and she says, I would never, ever vote for a Republican. And it really took me back. And I said, not even for a dog catcher? It's no longer I'm right, you're wrong. Now it's I'm right, you're evil. Because if Odell and Bill are arguing over a football game is one thing, you know, who's the best football team. But when you're arguing over politics or something like that, that can really make a lot of other people uncomfortable. There are two sides to every coin. How do we deal with racial issues when they affect relationships? Finding common ground on all those issues that we come against. There's black and there's white. And I think as Christians, we have to learn how to get together because we're not in heaven. I've met more interesting people just by God just bringing them in. Republicans and Democrats. But a lot of times when it comes to race and it comes to culture and it comes to perception, even as Christians, we don't always understand. We look at it through our lenses. There's Bill. I grew up in a suburb of Cleveland called Parma. Uh, Any the, black people in Parma? There was not one. Not one black person, not Bill? Not one. Come not on, Bill, one. you got to have one, a token nope. black person, a token. And there's Odell. I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina, public housing, single mom, divorced single mom with four kids. And I came up through segregation and all that kind of stuff. If a black person drove through the town, the police would stop and escort them out. Bill and Odell are finding common ground. A part of what we have to do is listen to each other, find the common ground, and question, not questioning you like you're on a witness stand, but questioning you for a better understanding. Father God, we just come to you saying thank you. You know, we look around in the world today, we just say thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for friends. Thank you for common ground. Thank you for difference in perspectives and different opinions and different lenses that we're all your people. And, you know, I, I think quite often when we just laugh and smile and not worrying about what this person's religious belief is or this person's political affiliation is, just the person. God, thank you for the eyes to just see the person. Amen. 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 Dear Heavenly Father, Amen. just uh, thank you for bringing so many interesting people into my life. You've brought Odell into my life, the good looking black man. You've, uh, you, and I thank you for that. And you've brought Bob Berg into my life and I've never met a best-selling author. And now I've not only met him, I get to talk with him. and, uh, Lord, I just thank you for bringing those kind of folks into my life. Amen. Amen. Beautiful blessing. Bill. Both of you. Thank you. Thank Bill, you. you remember, uh, when we went over to Israel and we went to the coattail and we spent 12 10, 12 days over there and just had a great time. And a lot of what you didn't know about old Israel and, you know, the city, it was just amazing. And when you think about, you know, the problems, you know, whether it's January 6th or all the problems we have in America and we just have to just get along, you know, and it's okay to disagree, but we can't always be so disagreeable, you know? Man, amen. Amen. You know, well, I reflect on that, that trip to Israel. You know, my wife and I always wanted to go to Israel and it was because of you inviting us on the culture, interfaith cultural trip. And it wasn't a vacation. It was a, a study that we went and we visited uh, uh, institutions, hospitals. We've talked to the Mossad. Uh, we talked to uh, Orthodox Jews, uh, 
reformed Jews, and we got and we saw the religious locations, and it was it was great. We had Jewish people, we had Christian people, we had Baptist even. We had an atheist with us, which I asked, "Why are you here?" He says, "Looking at the architecture," and uh, <laughs> but it changed the trajectory of my life in my view. I've been to forty-two countries, and if some uh, people always ask, "Which one would you go back to?" Israel, without a doubt. But I would stay well, longer. I'd stay longer. Now the dessert, the dessert. Just imagine, you know, getting up, li- living in a hotel overlooking the Mediterranean and sitting there with fresh, just fresh food and fresh fish. And, and it's just interesting when for me, it was just walking through the pages of my Bible or, or any Holy scriptures because it's all there. And then when you get into the city and go to the coattail, it's just so amazing. You know what else is amazing, Bill? You know, we have a guest today and I know you're going to introduce him, but one of the things that I love what this guest talks about, he says, there is a major problem in the world today. It's not people disagreeing with one another. It's that they cannot disagree agreeably, civilly, and most important, persuasively. You know, I can't wait to hear our guests explain that because I'm like, wow, you know, it's almost like Christmas morning. We got him coming on, one of the best-selling authors, but it's what he talks about, what he believes in. That's what I'm excited about. Yeah, he's got a heart. I I saw him. I, I heard him speak. I read his books and this man has a heart and a passion for what he does. And it, you're going to folks, you're going to hear it come through in this in a minute, but let me introduce Bob. I got, I got some things that I just need to read off because I think it's important for people to hear this. Uh, first off, I met Bob through focus CFO, which is a company I work with in Columbus last April. And he came and spoke for 90 minutes, no notes. And just, you could hear a pin drop. The guy just totally brought us together uh, gave us some great insights and some things to think about, which he's going to share on this podcast. But for over 30 years, Bob has been successfully showing entrepreneurs and leaders and sales professionals how to communicate their value and accelerate referral business. He's written a book called Endless Referrals and the Go-Givers, and uh, it's been translated into 30 languages. Folks, if you haven't read the Go-Givers, download it on your your Apple book or get it as an audible and listen to it. It's, it's phenomenal. And, uh, I've, I've listened to the most recent one, which is called the influencers, which is great. Bob, welcome to our podcast. Wow. What a wonderful introduction. Thank you, Bill. And thank you, Reverend Odell. It's just, it's so, so great to be with the the both of you, Bill, having a chance to, of course, meet you in person uh, at the event in Columbus and, and uh, Reverend getting a, a chance to read about you and hear about you. And, uh, and when I first met Bill, hearing him speak about you with such love and such brotherhood and, and just such a, a feeling like, wow, these are just, these are two great friends. These are two brothers in arms. And it was just so inspiring. So what, a, what an honor to be with you both. Well, thank you. Well, you know, Bob, thank you. You know, he invited me over to his house the other day for dinner and they made homemade pizza. And the only thing he said is, Odell, you sure like to eat pizza. So I don't know if he's going to invite me back anytime soon. I, I counted how many pieces you had, and uh, you went over the limit, but uh, we, we st- we'll we still invite you back. The, the whole reason that we actually invite you is for your wife, Bev, because she's absolutely enjoyable and adorable. But uh, hey, Bob, I, I want to ask you a couple questions. You know, when, when you were uh, talking to us, uh, you, you talked about five factors that uh, really came to struck my heart. And uh, 
and and they're they're really down to earth, common sense things that entrepreneurs, young business people, can start putting in place, put those disciplines in place to help their career long term. Would you share those with us? Sure, and I and I I believe that a big reason why these are important is, when you think about it, but you know we're talking about people skills, mm-hmm. and we're dealing with people all the time. And it doesn't matter whether we're talking about family, whether we're talking about friends, whether we're talking about those we lead, those we work with, those we work for, our or our prospective and current customers and clients, and uh, sometimes the 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 unhelpful customer service representative when you really need help, or or maybe the uncivil civil servant, uh, or you know it could be it could be that driver in the next lane. You know, there's so many times that when we can just kind of work with people in a way that's effective and productive. That's the difference between the person who who might have some real legitimate success in their life and that person who really just seems to have the world eating out of their hand. It, it, It seems to really reach those levels of what we call stratospheric success. And, and, and so, you know, it's, it's based really on these five, uh, five principles of what we call genuine influence. Now, the pastor had had brought up something a bit earlier, just to just to kind of touch on first, and the reasons why these are so important. Uh, you know, right now, and I know this is really what your show focuses on. We have a situation, I'd say, over the past fifteen or twenty years, that we have never had to this degree in our country's history. Now, don't get me wrong. There's for as long as there's been politics in our country, there has been deep arguments and disagreements and even name calling and and all the yucky stuff right that that comes along with people you know having those disagreements but it used to be let's say we're talking democrat and republican because that's what we're all used to now is the two major parties it used to be you know we can disagree um and and, and that's fine you know it used to be i'm right you're wrong Okay. Now that's never optimum as a way of thinking, but it was okay. It was doable because if you simply believe another person is wrong, you'll engage with them. You'll try to persuade them to your side. Okay. It's no longer I'm right. You're wrong. Now it's I'm right. You're evil. Wow. And from there, no communication, no effective communication can take place. Actually, at this point, people on the left and people on the right often won't engage. Why would you engage with someone who you believe is evil? You know, evil is incorrigible. Evil cannot change. So why bother? So instead, what do we do? We listen to the people with whom we already agree. All right. And, And so everything shut down. I truly believe that is a wrong, well, I know the two of you uh, believe the same thing as I do, right? That that that's just not a good way of of us being with one another as part of a country. No, we have to engage in it. It must begin with understanding that the the other side, if you will, by and large has benevolent intent. Now there are always, you know, there are some people way to the left and way to the right. No, that, that's not true. But but that's such a, a relatively small group of people. Most people 
have benevolent intent. They want to live in a country where people are, are, are free to pursue their happiness in whatever way they see fit, providing they don't infringe upon the rights of anyone else to do the same. They want to live in a country where people are happy and they're healthy and they you know are able to live. Most people want that. Now, the two ways of going about it, if one's a Democrat or one's a Republican, are, are very different in terms of how to get there. But the intent, the goal is the same. And, and that's what I think we really need to be able to understand if we're going to be able to communicate in an effective way. Well said. So, so you know, we look at, uh, you know, these, these five laws of genuine influence, and this will, uh, again, work just as well for a political discussion as it will for business, as it will for family and so forth. And the first one is simply to master your emotions. The sages of the, of the Talmud asked the question, who is a mighty person? And they answer that person who can control their own emotions and make of an enemy or of a potential enemy a friend. Wow. This is where it all begins. Because it's only when we're in control of our own emotions, when we're in control of ourselves, that we're even in a position to take a potentially negative situation or person and turn it into a win for everyone involved. Uh, you know, we all know this intuitively. How much respect do we have for that person who, regardless of what's going on around them, oh, they just seem to be calm and in control and they, right, they just seem to, to be on top of everything. Nothing rattles them and yet they seem to get things done, right, and, and worked out. And how good do we feel about ourselves when we're that person? Mm -hmm. Yet how often do we, based on what someone else says or does, do we allow ourselves to feel uh, hurt or victimized or frustrated or angry? And we say or do that very thing that's not only not productive, but is totally counterproductive to attaining the results we want. Well, we have to ask ourselves the question, why do we do that if we know better? And the answer is because we're human. And as human beings, we are emotional creatures. Now, we'd like to think we're logical, and to a certain extent, of course, we are. But we're pretty emotion-driven. We make major decisions based on emotion, and we back up those decisions with logic, right? We justify those decisions with logic. We, we rationalize. And if you break up the word rationalize, it simply means we tell ourselves, rational lies. And we do this in order to justify that emotion-based decision or uh, to, to justify why we lost our, our cool when we know we really shouldn't have. So now, please don't misunderstand. I'm not saying we should deny our emotions or forego our emotions. No, not at all. First of all, it's, it's just it, it's not in alignment with human nature. It, 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 it's not sustainable. But there's no reason to. Uh, emotions are a wonderful part of life. They bring us joy. They make life worthwhile. No, we're just saying make sure that that you're the master of your emotions as opposed to your emotions being the master of you, right? Or it's one of my great friends. She's a wonderful leadership speaker and author and practitioner. Her name is Dondi Scamacci. I love this. Dondi says, by all means, take your emotions along for the ride, but make sure you are driving the car. Yes. yes oh, I yes. love that. I love that. Yeah. 
So that's, you know, that's the first one. It's just, and, and, you know, what that means really when we talk about the you know, politics is when someone tweets or posts or says, or, or does something, you know, if you feel yourself getting emotional about it, just, you know, first of all, plan for it right now, this could happen. You're right. Probably will happen. So plan for it. Rehearse in your mind that when that person says or does that thing that you just so totally disagree with, rather than reacting. Right. We want to respond. I first learned that from the great Zig Ziglar, who used to say, you know, when you react, you're letting outside forces control you. When you respond, you're in control. Right. And so we just want to respond by by. Uh, by not snapping in that per that that person or all of a sudden saying, well, no, this is the way it is. We respond by just sort of taking it in, you know, just kind of being with that moment. So, Bob, you know, before you go to number two, it's interesting because I'm the good looking black guy. Bill is just just my great friend. I'm a Democrat. Bill is a Republican. A lot of times, even on our show, as much as we love each other, much respect we have for each other, I'm sure I say things that hit him the wrong way and vice versa. And I just love what you said, because to keep the conversation going and questioning, not like someone's on a witness stand, but questioning for better mm -hmm. understanding, mm -hmm. you don't know what you don't know. And you may respond to a word or react to a word a certain way. But I think the essence, too, is the fact that I know it's coming from Bill. So if Bill says something, and I know Bill's heart is different from someone else saying something. I'm like, what do they mean? You know. So I think your point number one is great. Thank you. Well, you know, I actually had that happen uh, at uh, we, we were at a award ceremony for a mutual friend, Ishmael Henson, and lady sitting next to me. We started talking, and there was a, a local politician, a congressman, Mark Walker, who's a Republican. And we started, I don't know, somehow we got on politics and she says, I would never, ever vote for a Republican. And it really took me back. And I said, not even for a dog catcher. And, and she didn't know what to say to that. And, and then we started dialoguing. And after about five minutes, she says, are you a Republican? And I said, I am. She says, well, I'd vote for you. And I said, it's dog catcher, right? She said, oh, yeah, no more than dog catcher. <laughs> well, you know, you both bring up really wonderful points when you think about it. It, it all comes down to, to trust in this, in this sense. And, you know, um, Pastor Odell, you said that, that you know, you, Bill, Bill could say something that, that, you know, might hit you a certain way or you could do, but you know it's each other. So you know the intent is, is right. And here's what one of my favorite books, uh, Bill, I believe I, I brought this quote up, I, I think, at, at, at our event in Columbus. It's from The Speed of Trust by Stephen M.R. Covey, uh, who's the son of the, the late Dr. Stephen Covey. And, and the book is The Speed of Trust. And, and here's what Dr. Covey wrote in the, for, in the, uh, the forward to the book. Take communication in a high trust relationship you can say the wrong thing and people will still get your meaning. In a low trust relationship, you can be very measured, even precise, and they'll still misinterpret you. Wow. Yeah, you know, and that's so powerful because in other words, if you know who this person is, you know, you still, you might not agree with what they're saying, but you know it's coming from a place of benevolence. You know it's coming from a place of love. You have no doubt about that. OK, so it's not a matter of of is there a, a, a character issue at play? No, it's a matter of there might be disagreement about a thing. 
so that's that can important. always be discussed. <laughs> right? that's, why important. that's why it's important to develop a culture in your business that builds trust so that mm-hmm. when you have those issues, because you're going to have issues in business, mm-hmm. you may be coming from a different viewpoint. Uh, you have trust. You know, we had a, a fellow on Chad Oakley who runs one of the largest executive search firms in the country. And he uses a word called care frontational, not confrontational, Ooh. care frontational. Ooh, powerful. Yeah. And he's, tr- he's built a culture that he says, man, I, I've been in some of the rooms and there are some people worked up, but they care enough about each other that they work it out. Right. Oh, that, that's beautiful. That's, that's absolutely powerful. And again, there's got to be trust there, right? Because that, that trust is what allows that care frontation to take place. Mm-hmm. So the, the second one is to step into the other person's shoes. Now, we, we've all heard that one before. It's almost a bromide, step into the other person's shoes, which sounds easy to do until you realize that we all have you know, different size feet. So wow. you know, literally, we can't step into their shoes. Figuratively, we can't step into their mind because we're not them. We all come from different belief systems. These belief systems are how we see the world. And it's a combination of upbringing, environment, schooling, news media, television, movies, and all that, right? But it's pretty set by the time we're a little more than toddlers. So most of us grow up with a set of beliefs uh, that we don't even realize we have. I call it our unconscious operating system. But here's the thing. We tend to, to think that everybody else sees the world basically the same way we do, which makes sense because how else could anyone see it, right? That's all we know. (laughs) It's just not true. So the only way we can step into their shoes is to ask questions and listen, really listen. Number three is to set the proper frame. A frame is the foundation from which everything else takes place. I like to use the example that, uh, and I'll just go through this really quickly, uh, of the time I was in a Dunkin' Donuts restaurant, and there was a little boy, a little toddler running around the restaurant, probably two, three years old. His parents call him over to the table, and as he's walking back over, he, he, he slips and he, he falls on the floor. He wasn't hurt, but you could tell he was surprised. And he looked at his parents to get what? Their interpretation of the event, right? Wow. And I really believe that had they gotten upset and panicky and, you know, he'd have started to cry, but the mom and dad handled it beautifully. They, you know, they rushed over, but very calm. They had smiles on their faces. There was a, you know, just an air of everything's fine. And they, they looked at him and they, they smiled and they laughed and they said, wow, what a great trick. That looked like so much fun. (laughs) And the little boy just, what he started to laugh. Why? Because the parents had set a productive frame from which he could operate. And we can do that with anyone that we, uh, that we, that we choose. You know, it might be as an example, you know, politically that somebody says, well, I, you know, somebody makes a political statement and the person uh, says in response or in reacting, uh, I can't believe you would think that people like you, you don't care about others. You want people out in the streets and blah, 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 right? That's a, a negative frame. So if that first person operates based on that frame, they say, no, I can't believe that you, blah, 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 blah. And that's right. That's the, everybody's evil. Nobody gets, but what if that other person, that first person responds to that insult by saying, uh, you know, Dave or, or Joanne, uh, 
you know, I admire the fact that you're so passionate about this. It's obvious that you care about people. And then you said, like you, I want to live in a society where people are able to boom, 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 boom. And now you say what you know you both would like to see happen. You've reset that frame from one of adversaries to one of allies, just looking for the same result. Now, you might say, I think our only disagreement would be on how to get to that point. Now, someone might say, well, Bob, but if these, if that first person is just so dogmatic about what they're saying, they're not going to listen. You know what? I, you'd be surprised how many people will come back and say, you know what? You're, you know, right. You're right. I apologize. I should. But even if they don't, here's the big thing. Typically within these arguments, it's not only those two. There are a lot of people who are kind of just listening in and they're, they're kind of looking to see what's going to happen. And these are people who aren't so far this way or so far that way that they won't change. These are people who are kind of looking for answers and they're open and they're looking for two things. They're looking for, yeah, what are the facts? But they're also looking for who's communicating these facts in a way that I admire, that I respect, that I relate to. So when wow. we set the frame or reset a negative frame, we're, you know, we're really 80% of the way to a positive result. The fourth is to communicate with tact and empathy. Uh, my dad always defined tact as the language of strength. And I always enjoyed that because to me, it takes strength a lot of times to not go into react mode or response, you know, to go into react mode, not just fire back a, a nasty tweet or a Facebook post or a, a, a verbal, or, you know, or whatever, but to really control yourself, to really think about it, to really kind of say, okay, where's that person coming from? What's a better frame that I could... And, and so, see, really tact is a way of communicating an idea to someone that they wouldn't ordinarily be open to in uh, doing so in such a way that not only are they not defensive toward you and resistant to your idea, they're open to you and maybe more willing to consider your idea. You're right. Now, empathy, which is the identification with or vicarious experiencing of another person's feelings, well, we can't necessarily know how they feel, but we can know they're feeling something. And we can communicate just how we with how we show up that I'm here to work through that with you. And then number five, let me just interrupt for one. Go second. ahead. Go ahead. Re related to that emotional thing, you know, I I, I tend to have that as an issue. I, I get worked up. And uh, it takes a lot to get me there. But when I get there, it's, boy, here you go. Odell knows. And uh, <laughs> he goes, there's yes, little, Billy. little Billy's gone. I don't know. I found her. But here's what I've learned is a trick. Uh, if you get that email that gets under your skin or you get that comment that comes under your skin, uh, I do the, what I call the 24-hour delay. I, 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 I just let it set for 24 hours as best I can before mm. I even respond. Uh, now, sometimes you can't do that when you're in the middle of a conversation. Uh, so what I, I do when I get that, I, I just don't respond because I know my response is going to be harsh. Right. Uh, but that 24-hour thing allows me to intellectualize, why am I feeling this way? What's causing the trigger that's causing me to act this way? And is that a justified trigger? And then if it is, I don't respond with an email. I pick up the phone and call the person or I meet them for a cup of coffee. And we do it face to face 
Zoom seems to be working pretty good now too, because you can see the person's reaction. But mm -hmm. uh, an email doesn't it doesn't it can be interpreted so many different ways that you don't get. So anyhow, that I just wanted to share that with you. Very very important point. Absolutely, absolutely. And then the last one, the last principle, which kind of brings it home a little bit, is to let go of having to be right. Now, wow. that can be misinterpreted. Does that mean you don't care about being right? No, of course you care about being right. You're human. We're, we are, right? We care about being right. We're going to prepare to be right. We're going to do our best to be right. But we're going to let go of the attachment to having to be right. It means we might be willing to say maybe we don't know 100% of what we think we know. Maybe we don't know 50%. Maybe we're, maybe we're wrong. Who knows? I don't know. See this, and, and a couple things happen. When you're able to let go of that, that, that attachment to having to be right, first, you, you allow yourself to go into what we call learner's mode. Now, this is, this is opposite of that person whose life philosophy seems to be, my mind is already made up. Don't confuse me with the facts. Okay. When you go into learner's mode, you actually learn more, right? Because you're able to consider things you may not have considered before and you learn more and you grow more and you actually paradoxically increase your chances of being right. The other thing that it does though, when you can let go of that attachment is that other person, the moment they understand that they're talking with someone who's not just looking to be right for the sake of being right who's not looking to be right at their expense, right? By making them wrong, they're much more likely to allow themselves to go into that same learner's mode. Now you've got two people who are simply together as partners looking for truth as opposed to just maintaining a position. Think about we're coming out of COVID. This is the first real holiday we've had where a lot of people vaccinated. We get to hug and kiss and love you, the family members again. And the sad part about it is just like we carved the turkey, some folks are going to come to the dinner with sharp yeah. tongues that's going to carve up, try to carve up each other. It's like brewing for a fight that's going to spoil the dinner for everyone else. So on your principles, Drill deep, a little deeper in how does this affect the people around us, though? Because if Odell and Bill are arguing over a football game is one thing, you know, who's the best football team. But when you're arguing over politics or something like that, that can really make a lot of other people uncomfortable. And I think part of leadership is to prepare the environment that everybody seems comfortable. Yeah. You know, you, you bring up a great point because we know these things, unfortunately, will happen during the holidays. Uh, Thanksgiving seems to be, a you know, that that holiday where we're giving thanks on a very special day, right, seems to be that one where we forget about that and start putting our own agenda first and have to say what we have to say. What if instead we can kind of say, well, what really are we here for, right? And we're not just here to, to spew our ideas as correct as they might be. But instead, <laughs> we're here to really participate in a loving environment. And what if when, when that other person says something that you don't agree with, what if you instead were just to say, tell me more, I'd, I'd like to know more about, about your, you know, why you feel that way, you know, in saying it in a way that is genuinely respectful, you know, share more with us about that. Or maybe we go into question mode. 
um, do you feel that's something that would be productive in the long run? And, and how would that look? And, you know, so if we have to, uh, you know, put our point, you know, share a, a point, what if we did it with, with loving questions instead of, boom, that, you know, that, that kind of push, you know, one thing we say about influence and uh, Bill, we, we discussed this again at that, at that event was that influence, which on a, a the, the definition of, you know, by definition, uh, influence is simply the ability to move a person or persons to a desired action, uh, usually within the context of a specific goal. Okay. That's, that's influence by definition, but it's not the essence of influence. The essence of influence is pull pull as opposed to push, right? Mm -hmm. How far can you push a rope? You, you, you never hear people saying, wow, that Ted or that Marion, she is so influential. She has a lot of push with people. No, right. she's influential. Right. She has a lot of pull with people. So great influencers, genuine influencers, they don't push their ideas on others. They don't push their, 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 their will on others. They don't push themselves on, they're not pushy. Instead, <laughs> it's all about pull. It's attracting others. And you attract others to yourself before you attract them to your idea. And we do this by, by, by shifting our focus off of ourselves and onto them. We ask questions such as, how does what I'm, asking this person to believe, how does it align with their needs, their wants, their goals, their ideas? How does it align with their values, right? And so when we go at it from that viewpoint, I always like to say internally motivated, but outwardly focused. Now we're bringing people in, we're attracting them into the conversation, as opposed to it being a matter of both people pushing their ideas on one another. Oh, that's great. It, it, Bob, you know, when I read your book, uh, The Go-Giver's Influencer, you just mentioned it, you, you talk about listening with the back of your neck. Can you explain that? Yeah, my, my co-author, John David Mann, who's a fantastic writer, and he's, you know, three of the four books in the Go-Giver series are parables, um, and, and he's just a uh, wonderful writer. I'm, I'm a uh, how-to guy, right? You can tell from speaking to me for one minute. I'm step one, step two, <laughs> step three. Uh, I'm the boring guy. John is the, the great storyteller. And John came up with that. John has studied the martial arts. And, and one of the things he learned from an instructor was when you, uh, is that you can do anything with all of your body, right? So we say, listen with your, not just listen with your ears, which is that surface listening people do. They're kind of listening in order to, to speak, right? But listen with your your, your, your posture, listen with your eyes, listen with the back of your neck. In other words, put your focus there, the focus of your energy in listening in the back of your neck. And once John taught me that, I tried it a few times, like, wow, what a difference that makes. Because you're really almost forcing yourself to really be engaged. You're listening with the back of your neck. And it causes you to be much more engaged in what that other person's saying and to really bring that in and understand. It's really a, you know, a fantastic idea. Uh, and of course, I didn't think of it. You know, that's how you know it's a fantastic <laughs> idea. Oh, that's great. That's absolutely spectacular. You know, uh, I'm going to totally take a left-hand curve there. Uh, before we started this podcast, folks, we started talking about uh, different things and uh, we got on... Uh, uh, talking about religion a little bit and, you know, Odell's a Baptist, I'm evangelical and, uh, and Bob's Jewish. And we started talking about that. And, uh, I shared a story, the, uh, 
we're good friends with the rabbis in town here. And, and uh, there's four of them, two females and two males. And one of them just before Shabbat uh, at four o'clock on Friday, we all meet at a tent and uh, it's a group of guys and some ladies show up and we smoke cigars and uh, drink bourbon before Shabbat, before they do their service. And uh, we call it smoking Jews and one Gentile. And I uh, guess who's the Gentile, except that a lot of the guys ask me, they think my, my last name's Goble, but they say, are you Goldberg? And I say, <laughs> today I'll be a Goldberg. <laughs> Until I tell, start talking about going to an all boys Catholic school. And that kind of, they give you this quisitive look like, were you, what? <laughs> so I, you know, I, I grew up outside of Boston. So, you know, most of my friends were Catholics. And so they, you know, so many of them went to the, you know, the, um, uh, the Catholic schools, you know, that were, that were, uh, that were around us, you know, in our, in our town. So, and I went a couple times to visit, to, you know, spend the day. It was always such a great experience. Well, you know, Jesus was a Jew, so there's some connection <laughs> there. <laughs> when I first got my first sales job in corporate America, selling uh, transportation uh, for a trucking company, we would sell textiles and shipping all over the country, made a lot of money, but we shipped a lot of our jobs out of the country. One of the things that my supervisors told me, Odell, when you meet a client, never talk about race, religion, or politics. You know, in those days, you know, we had the company card, the um, the American Express card, all those things. And Bill, you know, I've told you before, the ostrich skin shoes and the ostrich skin briefcase and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, a black guy in a suit and tie walking to some of these textiles mills in North Carolina. I guess people would look at me like, who's he? What is he? You know, but I say all that to say this, I couldn't wait to talk to people about, you know, race, religion and politics, because, Bob, people wanted to talk about it. And one of the things that I love about what we're doing with this show is we talk about the things that we believe other people are just thinking about and want us to ask those type of questions. Now, we don't get into discussions like, hey, Odell. Why is it okay for black people to use the N-word referring to themselves, but white people can't use the N-words? Or, hey, Odell, why is it this or why is it that? And we will talk about those discussions in the future. But, you know, why are people not afraid, but very cautious to touch some of the hot subject items? Because a lot of times not knowing, or what I call ignorant, not in a negative sense, is more dangerous than knowing. So... Bob, what do you think about that? Well, you know, so first, I think you're right that people do want to talk about those things. And I, I, I've never really, you know, bought into the idea of don't talk about, you know, uh, politics and religion. I've always thought, first of all, politics, I think it's important to talk about because politics is what kind of runs the the ethos of the country in a way, right? I mean, it's a big part of it. And I remember Zig Ziglar saying once uh, that, you know, if we stop talking about it, there might be a day when we're not able to talk about it. And, wow. and so, you know, I always I, I always took that to, to, to heart. Um, I think when it comes to, you know, issues of religion, issues of, first of all, when, when it comes to religion, you know, I love, one of the things I just love about this country is the fact that you can have people of different religions on a show, you can have friends of different religions, you can, and really, we don't even think about it, it just, it just is, you know, and I just, I've always just loved that. 
Uh, and, you know, I, I've had so many, uh, you know, companies I've spoken with where the leadership, it was Christian based, or I've spoken at a couple of Christian colleges. And I always tell them I'm Jewish first, because I always, I never want them to be in a spot where if it was something they would not want to, uh, you know, so they, a, a Christian college might feel not out of any kind of anti-Semitism, but just they might feel, well, it's incongruent with our message if we had a, a you know, a Jewish person speaking on whatever. So I let them know. That's never been an issue, never been an issue, you know, and and I've just always loved my relationships with my uh, what I consider Christian brothers and sisters, even though I'm Jewish, you know, so it, so that's never been a thing. And, and I think in terms of what you say about race, I think the most important thing we can do is continue to discuss that. Mm. Um you know, it just is so very important. And as you said, there can be there can be ignorance and ignorance does not have to be uh, malevolent. It's it can just be ignorance. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and it's still ignorance. And so I think it's so important that we do talk to each other respectfully and in a way that we want to encourage and in a way that we want to build and in a way that we all want to come together uh, in terms of mutual understanding. I, I mean, I, that's why I just, when Bill told me when we were at that event, he told me about the, the, you know, the show that you all have, the two of you have, you know, Bill, you might just remember, I just went, oh, this is just great. Yes, I want to be on this show. <laughs> but thank you. You know, I, I think of racism is six inches. And I said that one time on a, on a podcast and Odell goes, what are you talking about? And I said, it's the six inches between your ears and it's, it's, it's taught. It's not, you're not born a racist somewhere along the line. You picked it up. Oh, absolutely. so it's in your brain and it can be unbrained. If you, mm -hmm. if you just mm -hmm. become educated mm -hmm. and spend mm -hmm. some time and, you know, I encourage people to find a friend that's different than you. Okay. It could be a Jewish person. It could be a black person. It could be a yellow person. It could be American Indian. I don't care who it is. If you're a white person now, find somebody that's different than you, that you can start developing some common ground and just one at a time. You don't have to have a hundred, just pick one person. If we, everybody in America did that, we'd be a much better place to live. And Bill, let me add to that. Because what I found since you and I have been having this relationship and going from there, a lot of black people come to me and say, Odell, let me ask you something. Because a lot of times bias, prejudice, and stereotypes are also within our own races. So it's like you said, hey, it's a white person who will come to you who doesn't see why in the world do you hang out with that good looking black guy? Like, I just don't understand it. And why don't you attack him when he says things that you disagree with and the person who may be coming to you disagree with and vice versa. People may say, well, why don't you attack Bill when he says it ain't such thing as white privilege, but it's white, you know, da, da, da. And I'm like, but that's his opinion. I don't have, we don't have to agree on everything, but that's my friend and we're going to talk about it. And I think that's where a lot of potential incrementally is there also, that as we talk to people who are just like us, but just look at things differently because everyone is not blessed to have a great friend like a Bill Goebel. Every black person is not there or every white person is not blessed to have a good, good looking black man friend like Odell Cleveland. <laughs> so I think we're in a position, Bill, that we could leverage our relationship and our trust and love for each other to help others understand if they choose to. But to Bob's point, at least be a place where folks can safely come and share their 
concerns about what you're doing or about what I'm doing, about what we're doing. And we don't argue with them like, you know, Bob said, but we have a conversation with them and it's a teaching moment. Yeah. And I think you listen with the back of your neck. Mm-hmm. So, so very important. You know, one, one very quick thought and I, and th- this goes back to politics, but it, it can, it can be about anything. And, you know, I often say that, um, you know, if you are a uh, conservative, let's say, or a Republican, however you want to say it, um, and you in in you watch Fox News religiously, okay? You don't have to stop watching Fox News, but watch CNN and MSNBC, okay? And and listen to what they're saying in turn, and 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 don't listen to them, don't watch them with the idea of why they're wrong or why they're this or why they're that. And you don't have to listen for, for why they're right either. Just listen to why they think the way they think. Now, if you are a liberal, if you're a Democrat, however you want to say it, progressive, uh, watch Fox News and watch them not just to disagree with them, okay, and not to agree with them, but listen to just why they feel the way they do without judging. You'll be amazed at what you learn. I, it's it's absolutely amazing. Again, you don't have to put pressure on yourself to agree with them, but I'd also ask, don't just watch them to, to look at why they're wrong. Really try to understand where they're coming from. There was a great book written years ago um, uh, by uh, Jonathan, uh, Professor Jonathan Haidt. It's spelled H-A-I-D-T, I believe, but he pronounces it Haidt, Jonathan Haidt, called The Righteous Mind. Hmm. And it was all about why... Uh, conservatives or Republicans or white Democrats, liberals, progressive, whatever, why they think the way they think. And it is an absolutely positively fascinating study. And I believe that anyone who decides to be in political debates, and I'm talking about, you know, everybody, right? (laughs) Because it seems like that's what, what it is. Read the book, read the book and, and learn just so that you can know more about the other person and what they might, where, why they're coming from. And again, doesn't mean you'll agree with their policies. doesn't mean you'll agree with their solutions, but you will understand why they feel that way. And I believe you'll come to an agreement that most people, as we said at the beginning, other than the real extremes on either sides, I'm not, but that 99.9% of the people out there really do have benevolent intent. And that's where we start. Cool. Amen. Well, Bob, we're, I'm sorry to say we're getting toward the end of our show. Uh, and Odell, did you want to say something? Yeah, it's just, Bob, just thank you. You know, I think about Bill and myself, you know, because I think where it catch people off guard sometimes is what come, comes out of our mouth. People see a black guy, a large black guy who's been a Democrat for his whole life. Okay. And it's like, okay, I know what he's, he's about. Because sometimes our unconscious biases will steer us in the wrong direction, much like you said, our emotions, and I agree with you 100%. And then when Odell says something like, well, you know what? I endorsed a white conservative pastor uh, for Congress, and I believe my endorsement was a big part why he won. 
And the backlash that I got from so many of my friends is like, I cannot believe you would do that. Why would you support him? Da, 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 all this kind of stuff. And I ask the question because I'm an independent thinker, I can endorse and support whoever I want to. And when Bill make a statement that he doesn't believe in this, where some people are like, well, if he's a Republican, I know he believes this way. I think as long as we are authentic selves and think for ourselves, and sometimes we agree on the same thing, sometimes we disagree. But I think to your point, the tone and how, how do you go about it, Odell? How do you talk to people instead of talk at people? And I'm open-minded. You know, Bill has changed my mind on a lot of things, and I hope I've influenced him on a couple of things too. Because, you know, it's just, that's just the way it has to be, in my opinion, if you want true friendship, true relationship. And again, if you put yourself in an echo chamber, all you hear is people who are talking and believing what you're believing. So in essence, you're really just talking to yourself. Oh, yeah. Well, Bob. Absolutely. Wonderful. You get, uh, you get to tell us, uh, we always ask our, our guests, how do you find common ground? And then uh, any last comments you'd like to make? Uh, I think in terms of how I find common ground is I just make it a point to really listen with the back of my neck. And, you know, the, the, the more I find I don't agree, I, I try to question my premises. Yeah. And I, I just try to ask myself, not always as successfully as I'd like to, but I try to ask myself, where are they coming from? You know, what is their thought process? How do I agree? You know, where do I maybe agree that they have a point, even if it's just a seed of, right? And, 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 you know, because from there we can, we can grow, right? Uh, th- I think that's how I do it. Uh, I think that's how I do it. And again, it's a, it's a work in progress, you know, and even I teach this stuff and it's still a work in progress. <laughs> yeah. Well, Bob, you've been a delight and uh, you've added a tremendous dimension to this podcast and to our our shows and uh we we will definitely have you back on at some point and uh thank you for 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 that and uh if we get down to florence florida correct uh almost jupiter florida jupiter. like the like the planet like the planet hey so by the way let's uh, how can people get reach you what's the website and how do they do that sure very, very easy actually uh it's berg my last name b-u-r-g I'm a simple guy. I try to keep things simple. Uh, Berg.com. And while they're there, they can scroll down to where it has a bunch of the books and they can click on it. And they, if they'd like, they can read a free chapter of any of the books. My, the, the, the main book on this topic that we've been discussing, the parable was um, the, the um, Go-Giver Influencer. The source material on in this was from a book I, I wrote years ago, about six or seven years ago, called Adversaries into Allies. And that is really the book I feel I was put on earth to write. That's the one that wow. really is the how-to in terms of people skills and, and that sort of thing. And, and again, you can get a free chapter just by going to that part and, and clicking on it. That's great, Bob. Thank you very much. And uh, My pleasure. Yep. Odell, you want to close us out? Yeah, Bob, listen, you, Malcolm Gladwell, you know, Zig Ziglar, you know, you know all these guys, but I know Bill Gold. <laughs> and I know Bill Goble. That's my trump card. So with that, we just want to say thank you for coming to our circle. And thank you for giving us time and for our audience, because I know you could do a lot of other things. And I just want to thank you for wanting to find common ground and your influence. So thank you, my friend. Amen. Thank you. But hey, Odell, uh, just before we go, I love you, man. Love you, too. Find Bill and Odell online at thecommonground.show. 
This podcast is brought to you by Yes Weekly, the triad's largest circulating and best-read weekly magazine. You can also find us online at yesweekly.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes Weekly, your trusted news leader for local arts, entertainment, music, food, and more for nearly 18 years. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group. Darren Sutherland, executive producer. Jeremy Powell, creative director. Jacob Sutherland, director. All rights reserved.